0: welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. Thanks, Isaiah. Appreciate you, my friend. Well, uh, let me just say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We give you this day. We ask that you would do with it what you desire. We know it's more than we could ever imagine, Request. Or even dream up on our own and so Lord we just uh we just give you this time in your name we pray amen well who in here is ready for 2021 anybody in the room i'm excited about the next few weeks we have as a church family it's going to be a really really uh just a special time and we have so many great things happening this month um and so i'm excited so let's begin with this everyone say renewal, renewal. the key that i really want you to notice today is intention we want this month to be full of acts of intention on your part. Uh, We we're trying to be intentional. We want you to be intentional. We believe that writing in a journal can be intentional. We believe that uh, scheduling your time around nights of worship can be intentional. We believe that making the decision to get baptized can be intentional and that we just want this month to be full of acts of intention. You know, I'm so, I'm so thankful that the Lord has created this kind of rhythm that we have with a new year which gives us the opportunity, of course, to, to sort of have a fresh, clean slate. It's not completely clean. We know it's not a blank canvas. We carry everything into this new year with us. However, it gives us the opportunity to rethink, to, to reconsider, to, to, to reform, and, of course, to renew our hearts, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And so um, today I just want to jump into this this first message of renewal is called the tide is coming. I've had this simple picture in mind for us in this series uh, and this rule in this renewal that I think a lot of us probably personally need. I do believe that the church, his people need renewal right now. And I know that most of us are familiar with this picture that I had in mind. This is kind of this picture of the ocean tide and how the tide can come in and the tide can go out and in some cases around the world, this can be a pretty dramatic sort of event where the tide has this dramatic scene of coming in and going out. I actually have a video of one of these scenes. This is, this is a, a time lapse of Saint-Malo, France, which has the highest tides in Europe. The water can rise 13 meters and, uh, in kind of a course of six hours, and the ocean will retreat almost two kilometers. I'm trying to renew the way I measure things in the world. <laughs> the metric system rules. Yeah, right. America rules. <laughs> we measure in feet. Uh, so that's, so anyway, um, 13 meters, 13 meters equals about 42 feet, one or two kilometers each equals about 1.2 miles. So the water retreats uh, over a mile. And of course, when the tide goes out, it exposes all that was, that was, um, in the water at one point. And this is where we find tide pools and, and see, life that can get exposed and exposed to the air maybe, um that they weren't really ready for. And 2020 felt a little bit like the tide went out. You know, especially in the church, I'm just being really honest, it felt like the tide just for our church, and I know a lot of churches, like it just kind of retreated. And, you know, for a lot of Christians, it's like it retreated and we feel a mile away from where we used to be. Some people, like they got trapped in a tide pool (laughs) and they've been in this isolated bubble just waiting for the tide to come back. Others got kind of caught while they weren't paying attention and they got ex- kind of exposed and the water retreated and they kind of are left now feeling dry and weary. I remember years ago I was walking on the beach and there was all these shrimp, I like to call them shrimps, <laughs> they're all exposed like they had, they had the tide to come in that retreated and they're all just left there dried up, lifeless. And I wonder how many of believers feel that way right now and these waters retreating, you know, I'm not trying to overstate this or continue to stay on the same cycle of it's not doom and gloom because here's the thing. uh, I know that the tide will return and I have another video of one of uh, nature's dramatic daily tides. This is the Bay of Fundy. It's in uh, the Canadian province of Nova Scotia, my favorite Canadian province. (laughs) Never been there, but... um, Here we find one of the world's most dramatic tides. We'll see water rise and fall by 48 feet every day. And this particular spot has the perfect illustration for us today because some of us enter into 2021 feeling a little bit drained, feeling a little bit emptied, and feeling sort of like we're running on empty. But the cool thing about the tide is that when it returns, it kind of does this work where it replenishes, and it refills our tanks, and it refills our mind, our heart, and our soul to where we can be spiritually full and some of us need this amen some of us need a work of the lord in our life to where we see him moves so i want to begin 2021 declaring something that the tide is coming the movement of god often works like the tide does coming and going and here's the good news his waves have never retreated without return they have always come back and And in this series, you're going to hear me talk a little bit about, of course, the word renewal, but the word revival, these two words are connected. They have a relationship. And so I'll be mentioning it often, but for the last number of years, we've been praying for revival in our church, revival in our city, revival in our nation, revival in our, in our world. We want to see that happen and revival often works like the tide. And let me just read this quote from you from an author named James Burns in a book called the laws of revival. He said, the human progress we see, occurs through revival. Any progress is like the incoming tide. Each wave is a revival, going forward, receding, being followed by another. To the onlooker, it seems as if nothing is gained. But the force behind the ebb and flow is the power of the tide. Thus, the progress of humanity is continued through successive revivals. Now, he's, he's essentially saying all human progress is the result of the revivals that God brings. God is renewing and reviving while he works through the waves of the incoming tide. Every incoming tide remove of, of God, in, a, in essence, it makes a difference. So I, here's what I want to do. I just want to, I, I like every once in a while for you to repeat back to me. Everyone say the tide, the tide is coming. So to begin, we must operate from an understanding that God is the one who does the work of renewal. It's not us, it's not a work of us, it's a work of God. He's the one that makes the waves of renewal come and go. He's the one that is the power and the ebb and flow of the movement. So that's why we pray things like, God, we long for you to move, right? God's why we sing that and worship that and ask for that. That's why we pray, God, we want to get swept up in, in a wave of your love and goodness. That's why we say things like this, renewal, revival, restoration. It's all an act of God's love for us. That's why that he's not forgotten us, that he's still with us, and that he's ultimately pressing us towards progress of ultimate renewal, which we're going to be getting into that in this series. What does that even mean? That God has always been doing since the fall a work of renewal in the world. So renewal is a work of God. But there are times, there are times we also find in the scriptures that we can catch the attention of God where we can do things, where we can pray things, where we can trust in ways that cause him to move. Many people have experienced a personal renewal. Churches have experienced a personal renewal through what I'm calling this morning an act of intention, an act of passion. And so I want to share with you what I mean by that because although renewal is a work of God, there is something that we can do to sort of invite Tide. So I want to take us to Mark chapter 14. Uh, this is the story that Isaiah referenced before we sang that incredible song, by the way, Alabaster Heart. This is a story about a lot of things, but it's primarily about, besides Jesus, it's about this woman named Mary. Now, there's a lot of Marys in the Bible. And this Mary is what, the woman from Bethany who is the sister of Lazarus. And uh, Lazarus is the guy, of course, who was dead. And then Jesus wept, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept because his friend Lazarus died. But then Jesus did a miraculous work. You guys remember, he, of course, raised Lazarus back to life. It's one of the greatest, most powerful miracles in the scriptures. So you have to think, does Mary, the sister of Lazarus, believe who Jesus said he was? I mean, sure she does, right? Do you think Mary dropped everything to follow Jesus after she saw her brother raised back to life. How many know that one act of Jesus can change the way a person acts for the rest of their life? One act of Jesus. All right, let's leave this. Mark chapter 14, verse numero uno. Great game by the way. (laughs) Uno. get it? Okay. All right. Uh, Mark chapter 14, verse one. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him, but but not during the festival they said, or the people may riot. So of course this is just days prior to the arrest and crucifixion of of Christ. While he was in Bethany reclining at a table in the home of Simon, the leper, who by the way, Jesus had already uh, previously healed. A woman came with an alabaster jar, of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. Uh, so this is that alabaster jar that symbolizes so much we're going to talk about. She broke the jar and poured out the perfume on his head. Some of, these, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them." Now there is so much happening and so much packed into these 10 verses that we're actually going to take our time with this, with this story. We're actually going to make this the central text of the next five weeks. We're going we're to dive into all that's going on and slow down and really allow this picture, this, this backdrop, if you will, to serve as sort of our, our story to give us a picture of what renewal can look like. And so we're going to dive in. What is so incredible and extravagant about this act that Mary does? First of all, this alabaster jar. It represents something important. It represents something that you and I can relate to. This is a prized possession. This alabaster jar is not just prized in sentiment or in pride, but it is an investment that has a high monetary value. This was something that would have been a family heirloom worth tens of thousands of dollars handed down to you. And here is Mary in one moment, pouring it all out the scriptures obviously say that the value is worth a year's wages so i want you to imagine it like this someone in mary's family had probably spent years and years of saving money they took that money that they saved and made a huge investment and bought a bottle of perfume can you imagine going and buying some chanel with your you know savings for years and years but this is what they do and they wanted it handed down from generation to generation this alabaster bottle was supposed to last for generations and Mary poured it out in one moment. It says that the bottle was filled with a particular kind of perfume that they call also uh, synonymously with this word nard, which was believed to be from a spice that came from a plant in Northern India near the Himalayas. So this perfume would have been carried from the far East all the way to the city of Jerusalem. Now, I believe I was thinking about this, I believe this alabaster, Jar is worthy of like a Netflix documentary just on itself. You know, I mean, think about it harvested in a quaint Himalayan village, you know, stored in an ornate alabaster jar, then carried on camelback across thousands of miles of rugged terrain and desert by a band of Eastern tradesmen. Think about this journey, right? It had a high cost and took on the toll. I took the toll on the travelers that it carried it. They finally reached the city of Jerusalem. Many other perfumes and bottles had been served, had been sold in cities along the way, but this one had made it all the way to Jerusalem. Then one day it was sold. It was purchased for an extravagant price by someone in Mary's family. And this all happened likely years before the day that it would be broken and poured out for the savior of the world. I seriously think that could be a documentary maybe a movie um it would be good but it was customary for people when they entered someone's home as a guest that the that the host would then put some perfume on them they would just they would just dab them just a little bit maybe on their neck or on their wrists and they would just give them just a little drop right and they would just dab them. this this family heirloom heirloom was supposed to honor and distinguish guests that would come into your home you could see that the more extravagant, the more fragrant the perfume was, the more honored and the more uh, special the guests would feel. So this was an act of hospitality. So when Mary breaks the bottle, everyone say break the bottle. When Mary breaks the bottle and empties an entire jar on Jesus, it serves as a powerful picture of her devotion to Jesus. She poured out all she had without hesitation. This act made the room uncomfortable. I mean, the disciples shouted out. They said, what are you doing? We could have sold that and given it to the poor. What Mary did was too extravagant. It was too passionate. People weren't ready. They couldn't quite embrace someone doing something so, we like to use the word reckless. Pastor and author John Tyson writes this in his book, The Burden is Light. He said, Mary understood that Jesus' visit was a moment worth giving everything to. She didn't simply pat Jesus here and there with a damp cloth. She broke the bottle, poured it out over Jesus, then wiped his feet with her hair. Mary's devotion is a challenge to my reserved spiritual nature. She loved Jesus with a lavish abandon that spent a fortune on a single moment. I try and spread my little devotion out over the course of a lifetime. Mary calls us to abandon ourselves completely to Christ. It's an act of love. That's unashamed without limits, extravagant. I love how Brennan Manning writes this to describe this kind of love in his book, Furious Longing of God. He says the wild unrestricted love of God is not simply an inspiring idea. When it imposes itself on mind and heart with the stark reality of ontological truth, meaning the reality of yourself, it determines why and at what time you get up in the morning, how you pass your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read and who you hang with. It affects what breaks your heart, what amazes you, and what makes your heart happy. I love that. When the love of God, when it imposes itself on your heart and mind, it changes everything about what you do, when you get up, <laughs> what you read, even how you feel. And I told you at the beginning of this morning that today is about a day of, acts of making acts of intention. It's about choosing to be intentional with our love. You know, so many of us spend our life with Christ just saying we love him. We say it with our words so freely, yeah, we love Jesus. We, and, and, but yet we do sort of re, a reserve sort of nature of our way of life and the way we serve him, the way we show that love to him. So we essentially live as if we can walk through life with some sort of stamp of approval given to us by God, yet we can relegate our love to a set of belief, beliefs and controlled behaviors. It's a version of living that lacks passionate acts of love where we pour it all out and give ourselves completely to him. As I continue to reflect on this passage, I truly am, like, impacted by it, how reserved my love is, how limited I make it. Have you ever broke the bottle for Jesus? Have you ever poured it all out? In this story, even the disciples were thrown off by this. They were surprised by it. It didn't make sense to them. You know, the amazing news is that our passionate acts catch the attention of Jesus. Think about what happened in this story jesus was so moved by what mary did he says hey i want this story to be told alongside the gospel remember what he said he said truly i tell you what, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world what she has done will also be told in memory of her jesus signaled the significance of what mary did in this moment it's powerful to consider that the heart of god can be moved by acts of passion. There's another story in Mark chapter 12 that kind of the same thing happens. You remember the story of the widow, right, that gives an offering? I'll I'll read it to you starting uh, Mark 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put in and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, But a poor widow came and put two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more, put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had. You see, Jesus was moved by Mary. Jesus was moved by this widow. Jesus is moved by radical acts of love. It delights the heart of God. You see, sometimes you have to break the bottle so you can own your complacency and experience the rush of the incoming renewal tide. God is in charge of the waves. We get that, right? but he loves to bring it for those who want it, for those who are longing for it. Have you ever broke the bottle for Jesus? You know, we wanted to start this year with the word renewal, but it's really just a return to the greatest commandment. God says, Jesus said it when he was asked what the greatest commandment is, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Our family took a trip to Northern California not all that long ago, and uh, we spent an entire day driving on the historic Highway One coast, just winding along the road, which is quite spectacular and you find yourself wanting to stop every two minutes just to take in the beauty of God if you 've ever done it and One of the places we stopped was full of tide poles uh, and exposed sea life, kind of what I was describing earlier, and it was all out of the water because the tide had went back, and so we pulled over, we got out, and we decided to explore and. Uh, We took a little video, I have some video of this day where you can just kind of see this, it's very, very vacation footage here. Um, You can just see this exposed sort of uh, sea life, you know, clams and mussels and plants and I'm pointing it out right there for you. And uh, (laughs) it was just really interesting to see all these things. They were still alive, but they were just waiting for the tide to come. They were just waiting in anticipation for the tide to return. And one of the things that I didn't have a good picture of, so I couldn't show you, but I want to describe to you that was really powerful about this moment was um, one of the things that I probably thought was the coolest thing we saw was was there were hundreds of sea anemones kind of all over the place. But at first I didn't know what they were because they were kind of closed up, like the sea anemone had closed up because, of course, there was no water for it to be opened up into. So it was closed and it looked a little bit like, kind of like brown jello uh, covered in sand and rocks that had kind of stuck to it. Like a bunch of people had thrown sand and rocks at the pudding or jello. It's really beautiful. Everybody loves brown jello. And so we, it was like closed up and we were like, what is that blob of brown stuff right there? I didn't know what it was, but then we saw it under, we saw a couple tide pools and it was underwater and we saw, we saw it ex- opened up and it was this fluorescent green. It was just beautiful. It was amazing. And it's got this picture for us, right? Like, that, that we just have went through like this sort of, there's like an ugly side of life. It's not all that, it's kind of squishy, <laughs> complacent. But when the tide comes rushing in, it'll allow all of us to experience the beauty that God intends for us as we open up, as we break ourselves, even as Isaiah said earlier, so beautifully break ourselves open to experience the incoming rush of the tide returning. I can't predict when or how or what, but I can say this, that God notices radical acts of love, that God pays attention. And there are some areas of the world, where the tide comes and goes by, by you know, meager standards, perhaps only the rise of a couple feet, maybe a, a meter, right? Spiritually speaking, this happens a lot. Have you ever experienced the roller coaster of the ups and downs of the spiritual life where you have a few months where you're feeling great about your spiritual life and then you have a few months where you're feeling not so great about it and you're like, I got to get back on the treadmill, you know, and you keep doing that cycle again and it's sort of just like these little hills, these little ebbs and flows, these little one, two foot rises. But there are other parts of the world where the the tide can rise by almost 50 feet. What if we ask God for that? What if we started looking for that kind of tide? What if we weren't looking for little ebbs and flows, but we were looking for the power of God to come rushing into our life? What if we asked for that kind of movement? What if we asked for that kind of rush in our lives to replenish, refill, renew us from the bottom of our feet to in over our heads? What if we asked for that? I want you to hear something really important today. The way we ask can often be demonstrated by the way we act. We can't ask for big things of God without acting in big faith. Mary didn't even ask for anything. She just acted. So what if our asking became acting? Are you with me? What if it was about acts of passionate worship? What if it was about acts of extravagant generosity, acts of lovingly and sacrificially serving others? What if it was about acts of radical commitment or acts of reordering your time and centering on Jesus, acts of authentic, genuine prayer and worship, acts of elevating God's word in your life? What if we quit just always asking and we started acting? What if God is wanting to move and he's waiting for people who are moved? What if he's looking for people to move and act and break themselves open so that he can come rushing back in instead of just a group of people wanting and asking desperately, which is a beautiful thing, but we aren't just doing it without acting. So what does the breaking the jar look like for you? That's why what Mary did was so moving to Jesus. She acted, many of us just speak and go through the motions or make requests, but she broke the jar when most of us cautiously ration our devotion because we don't want to be too much or too extravagant, so we ration it out, and she just poured it all out. Once again, I want to read a quote from, from John Tyson. He says this, Is is Christ calling you to break the bottle of your own life at his feet? Is it time to abandon measured passion and do something unreasonable? Maybe the bottle's your resources. Are you moved to give the largest gift you've ever given to God or to bless someone in an unreasonable, extravagant way? Maybe the bottle is your time. Will you give up your precious margin to serve the poor or mentor youth. Maybe it's the, bo- it's the bottle of your attention Will you choose to turn off late night TV and read the word or listen to worship music and turn your heart to God. Whatever it is, breaking the bottle is always worth it for passion gets the attention of God. This month, what if you chose one, two, three, or even more acts of passion to do, acts of intention, intentional acts to say, God, I love you. I'm putting you number one in my life and I'm gonna do these things to show you that I love you. I don't know if we ever get specific enough with our love with God. We keep it in this general sort of category of, I love God and I can just sort of float through life and I got this invisible stamp of approval on me by God and, and, and all those things are, are fine and good and there's some measure of truth in it. There is freedom in Christ, but there is also intention. There is also passion that has a purpose. There is also passion in which we do something extravagant. So what if this month you chose one, two, three, or even more specific acts of passion that you wanna do to just say, God, I love you. God, I want, I want to just show you I love you. I'm not. My asking is going to be acting this time. This is why we're saying silly things like come to church every week. In, in today's world and today's culture, it's unpopular to tell people to come to church every week. I, I know that. Everybody wants their freedom. No one likes to be lectured. I get it. But I also know that. It is like proven fact that those people who are not in church regularly do not have the spiritual temperature of those who are. We don't do this for our sake, we do it for the sake of Jesus. And so it starts with the simple things. Coming to church, being a part of community, figuring out how to navigate this world that's so different. And say you know what this new climate these new conditions i'm going to acclimatize who i am as a person because i'm not going to put god last and say you're on hold god i'm going to sit in the tide pool until you come back in god will come back in through acts of intention he will come back in through acts of worship he will he will pay attention to you but you got to act that's why we're saying take a journal write some stuff but don't just pray more prayers of request. make them prayers of commitment make them prayers of action that's why we're saying hey let's worship together because renewal is impossible without worship worship is the on-ramp to renewal and that's why we look at you and say hey God's put things in your heart that only you know and all we want to do is fan the flame of that thing that God has put in you God's giving you the courage the boldness he's giving you the faithfulness to go and do it those are the things that get the attention of God those are the things that move God and that's actually what brings the tide in so I want to pray for you so if you just bow your heads I got three things I want to pray over us today Um, and they're very specific things, but the first one is this, it, it, it's really for all of us. But as I just mentioned, what is this, what's one, two, three or more acts of intention and passion that you could do in January? Perhaps it's related to your time or doing something like coming to the prayer room regularly. Or maybe it's just re, really, you know, it's just about the dream got to put in your heart. That You just got to take it off the back burner and put it onto the front. Maybe it's serving or, or whatever it is. It's going to take more than just this moment you're going to have to do this beyond this moment and so we just want to encourage you to think about it lord i just pray over each and every person would you just fill their mind and their heart with acts of passion to just show us that we can show you we love you father it's not it's not a guilt trip i don't i don't want it to feel that way i'm just passionate father i'm ready i just i need it personally i think our church needs it i think the church needs it we need to be filled with acts of passion and love for you father secondly i want to specifically invite anyone in here to a couple things i want to talk for a moment just about salvation and even this idea of baptism but i want to invite anyone in here that maybe one of those acts for you of passion would be to get baptized you know god said jesus said that he says i want you to go into all the nations and i want you to baptize in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and why he said that is is that 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 act of baptism, which you're, you're buried with Christ in baptism under the water, you're raised to walk in a new life, it's symbolic of a decision that you've made in your life. So I want to be clear, baptism is something the scriptures call every believer to once they've confessed Jesus as Lord, once they've given their life to Christ. And if you have given your life to Christ and you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you that Jesus wants you to get baptized. It's part of, this, it's part of his plan in your life. It's what he wants you to do. And you can do that. We have baptism coming up in just a few weeks, and you can, you can make the decision today, I'm gonna to get baptized in just this month. I think that there's probably two, three types of people. There's those that have given their life to Christ and they've been baptized. There's those who have given their life to Christ and not been baptized. And I wanna encourage those who've not been to do it. And then the third group is people that have not been baptized probably because you've never given your life to Jesus. And you're like, well, I don't know if I've given my life to Jesus or not. Here's what I know. I know that someone who's a follower of Jesus knows they're a follower of Jesus. Someone who's made the choice to follow Jesus knows they've done it. And so if you're confused, if you're a follower of Jesus, I would say you can be unconfused by making the choice to follow Christ clearly and compellingly in the choice you make in your heart to say, I'm making Jesus Lord of my life. Confusion doesn't need to exist. Doubts don't need to exist in this capacity. You can say, Lord, I wanna follow you with my life. And if you wanna do that today, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, that's where it all begins. It's the best choice that I believe a human being can make is to follow Christ. And if you wanna do that, I wanna help you do that. And it's real simple. It begins with a prayer like this. It says, Jesus, I give you my life. If you wanna give your life to Christ today, if you wanna start 2021 saying, Lord, I'm gonna make you number one in my life, enough questioning, enough doubting, jesus i give you my life nothing else matters compared to you jesus i give you my life just pray that prayer just repeat this i'm going to lead you in a prayer if you want to give your life to christ you can do it right now by just saying this prayer say jesus i give you my life i ask for forgiveness of my sin just pray that i ask for forgiveness of my sin just pray, I commit my life to you. I commit my life to you. So once again, Jesus, I give you my life. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And I commit my life to you. And then you just say, thank you, God, for saving me. If you just prayed that prayer, I just want to pray for you. If you just prayed that prayer, just real quick, be just brave. No, everybody's got their heads bowed, but would you just lift your hand so I can just say a prayer for you if you just prayed that. Yeah, I see a few hands. Anybody else? Just lift your hand real quick. Father, I pray for anybody that just gave their life to you for the first time. Lord, would you seal this moment in their heart in such a way that they know that, Father, they can't be snatched away anymore. That, Lord, you, they said yes to you, and you hear them, and you love them. So Lord, we just, uh, we thank you for the salvation that's happening in the hearts right now. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Would everybody stand with me? We're gonna, we're gonna close this time with some worship. I wanna give a few instructions. If you just prayed that prayer, um, we'd love to talk with you after the service. We'll be right down here. Love to chat with you about what it means to know Jesus, what it means to even get baptized. Um, But this altar's open. We're going to sing a few songs. And the words of these songs are very intentional. The lyrics of nothing else. The lyrics of making room in our lives for Jesus. May this be our anthem today. May this be our heart's cry today. We're not in a rush. We're just fully present with the Father. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give you this time. We worship you.